Praise the Lord. If you know that to be true today, you ought to be the happiest person in the world. To be able to experience true love, perfect love. You realize there's been billions and billions of people that have lived on the face of the earth. But more than likely, a tenth of them, a tenth, may have been the only ones who ever experienced perfect love. Others experience all kinds of love. Love has degrees, perverted love, strange love, warped love. But perfect love? What an awesome thing that is. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. We've got a baby to dedicate before we go to the Word. Justin and Sydney will bring a little son Jude today. We'll dedicate him to the Lord. <clears throat> This is the last one to bear the Reagan name. Finally, a boy. <laughs> Let's just bow our heads together. Heavenly Fathers, we stand here in your presence today. We're so grateful for the gift of life. If we had all the wealth of the world and yet died, if we had every fine automobile, lived in the finest homes, what would it all be worse if we didn't have life? So life is a great thing. We're thankful, Lord Jesus, that you've given to us the privilege of life. Father, as Justin and Sidney bring their little son, Jude Harrison Reagan, into your presence today. I know they're standing here with gratitude in their heart and so happy. I pray, Lord, that you would just help them we know that these children don't come with a manual. They don't come with a how-to book to tell us how to raise them. So you gave us one, yourself, your scripture. And we're thankful, Lord, that you've given us that. I pray that you'd help both of them to be able to instill in him that which will be lasting. Justin might be able to teach him different things that he knows. No doubt Sydney could teach him things that she knows. But yet, if it would only be in this life and things pertaining to this life, then what would happen when this life is over? So what I believe they want to instill in him is those things that will get him on the other side to the real continuation of life. So we bring him before you today, Father. I pray that you'd keep him from the evils of this day. Time would Terry get old enough to be able to acknowledge you and receive you. May he do it while he's tender, Lord. Keep him from the sickness, the diseases, the plagues of humanity. We dedicate his little life to you today for a life of service. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen. <laughs> you saw a rare thing. That's one of the few times I've ever seen his eyes. God bless you. Let's stand together. <clears throat>
I'm under such expectation today of what our Lord is going to speak to us. Mark chapter 16, verse 17. While you're turning there, <clears throat> I want to want to speak to you today on the bride's bill of rights. The bride's bill of rights. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay their hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Behold, notice this, Luke chapter 10, verse 19 as well. Mark catches it quite unlike any of the rest of the gospel writers. But Luke pins this in this way the commission given to the apostles. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. I guess the question is, do we believe that? Now in the New Testament, whenever we see the word power, there's a couple of different Greek words that was actually used for it in the original. One of them is excusia, which is an authority given to you to do something. But it doesn't mean you have that power dwelling in you. That's excusia. So this is what Jesus gave to the apostles initially, an authority, sort of like a state trooper or a policeman or a deacon, somebody that's given authority. But it's not that they have that authority dwelling in them, but it's given to them. Then the other word that's used, the way we translate it, power, in the New Testament is dunamis. And that is where we get our word dynamite from. And it's the power of an inherent life. So it's something actually within you that's coming out, expressing itself. Notice Jesus says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Let me believe that. Nothing shall by any means. Oh, but you say, Brother Donnie, what about sickness? What about? That can't hurt you. Now, I know it seems strange. People think, my, that is the craziest thing I ever heard in my life. No, it just can't hurt the real you. Oh, it might bother your body, it might bother your spirit, but your spirit is not you. Your body is not you. How many like to remember today as we pray? I'd like for you to remember me as well. The Lord just help me here and speak to us today. Father, we're so grateful today to be in your house and thankful for each one that's here present. Lord, for those that are streaming the service around the world, those that will go back and archive it, We pray for them as well today, Father, those that are sick that would love to be here and cannot. Now we're bringing our requests and our needs before you. We're so needy as we stand here, Lord. No doubt in my mind, 
I'm the most needy person here today because I have to stand before these people and try to bring something of eternal value and eternal quality. How can I do such? How can any man do such? There's only one way possible. That is, if you take this vessel of humanity and anoint that gift that you've placed within me and help me to get out of the way and speak your heart, your mind, and your thoughts. So, Father, we're expecting for you to do that great thing today. In the name of Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> Being American citizens, I'm sure that most of us know that we have a constitution. We have, of course, our branches of government that were set up by our founding fathers. They established this nation on the principles that it would be unlike where they came from, which was England, where the power of the king was the final word. He didn't have to have witnesses against you to be able to take your life. If he wanted to kill you, he could. If they wanted to do whatever they wanted to do, take your property, confiscate your goods, they could do that. But when our founding fathers came here so many, many years ago, they wanted to establish a government that they called it for the people and by the people. It's too bad that our leaders today still don't believe the same thing. But then there was something that they decided to do a few years later, after 1776, whenever they started setting it in motion. And the great fathers gathered together and uh, put together the great constitution and what they believed that it should be. But as they went on with this newly founded government, they realized that there were some things that needed to be further clarified. So the people that are the citizens of this newfound democracy, as they call it, they would need certain rights. They would need certain things that would protect them just in case the government ever got out of control again. Smart guys, wasn't they? Now, they felt like that probably even in this thing called the democracy, that it was not perfect. And of course, we know that it's not. But they wanted, again, to give the constituents of this democracy something that they felt like would bring the government down from the White House and Congress and Senate and all of that down to the individual, the poor common farmer, the poor common housewife. And the, you know, the little person that was illiterate and that was not famous or important. So they decide, they designed this rather, something that they would give to the common people as well as the elected officials. And they called it a bill of rights. A bill of rights. How many heard of it? How many of you know what each one of your rights are? Ah, we're true Americans. Now look at what that does to us. Now we're American citizens, most of us I'm sure. And yet we have this Bill of Rights and most of us probably don't even know what's in it. That gives you the right to this and the right to that. 
Uh, testing, one, two, am I, is my microphone tore up? So isn't it amazing what democracy will do though? It will make you to where you're so trusting that you just accept whatever they say. And you think, well, surely they wouldn't do anything to me that's contrary to the law. (laughs) Well, let me tell you, surely they will. They will. So they designed this. Now, let me read this to you, what the Bill of Rights means. The Bill of Rights guarantees the liberty of the individual and limits the power of the government in judicial and in other proceedings. The U.S. Bill of Rights was ratified in 1791. And no doubt there's millions of Americans that have lived, born, died, all this, and this nation never even knew what their rights were. And some of them, no doubt, were prosecuted by the government or by other people. And if they would have known their rights, they could have stopped it in its tracks. But the lawyers knew their ignorance. And the lawyers, by being able to talk to them, knew they did not know their rights given to them by their own government. So they took advantage of them. So this Bill of Rights then was set aside so that it would protect us. You can see there what it is. It guarantees, among many other things, the rights of free speech. Come on. Oh, okay. Now, do you honestly believe that is being honored in our nation? Come on now. Well, it depends on what you're saying. If you're saying what the woke generation wants you to say, they believe you ought to have free speech until you say something contrary to them then they want to take your free speech from you. But you're looking at one little Kentucky hillbilly that knows my Bill of Rights. They're not shutting me up. So by the Bill of Rights, I have the right to the freedom of speech. Now, a lot of people know this, so they will not try to shut you down by the law, but they will try to shut you down by pressure. So they'll try to call your name or put your name in the, your face in the paper or, you know, put you on TV or whatever, and then it will cause all kinds of pressure on you. Don't you see why that our nation is heading straight for the pits of hell? because they don't have laws to be able to do a lot of the things they're doing, but they will put pressure on these corporations. And these corporations don't want to be identified as, you know, somebody that don't, it's not all inclusive on everything. So they want to include everybody, which means include the wrong and hate the right. That's what inclusive means. So they want to let everybody know where they stand and they will do their advertisements. Who in the world ever thought years ago that television would ever allow two men to be on there kissing? Whoever thought that ever allowed two women to be on there? Well, don't get quiet on me already. Now you see, Brother Donnie, you shouldn't say that. Oh, but my Bill of Rights gives me the right to say that. So I have the right of the freedom of speech. 
I have the right of freedom of religion. And you better enjoy that while you can because it ain't going to be much longer. That's going to be taken away from us. Oh, you say, church will always be here. Well, the church may always be, but the bride won't be. So if you want to go to church, you better go by going's good. That's right. So we have the right of the freedom of speech. We have the right of religion to choose whatever religion that we want. And we also, just to mention three of them, we have a right given to us of trial by jury. Now, why is that important? See, to us, we don't even think that much about it. Well, because them coming from England and coming from the European nations that was ruled by kings and monarchs, if they didn't like you, they would be able to fabricate some, some sources and fabricate some witnesses that lied against you and the king could take at your property. He could send you to jail for the rest of your life or basically take your life from you. So the founding fathers wanted this to be inclusive in our rights as American citizens that we would have a right to trial by jury. Now, even as, as good as that is, but they have found ways around that to be able to bribe the people, bribe witnesses, bribe jurors, and so on. But let me tell you something, friends. I'm glad we're serving a God today who also has another book of rights. Now, this one here, a, a big portion of them, no doubt, as we go on in time, little by little, they're being taken away from us. Now, any government, any body of legislation, the judicial branch, the presidential branch, that would try to come all outright and take all of these from, from us, they know better. There's too many of us Americans are still on guns. They know better than that. So they won't do it outright, but they'll do it little by little by little by little and we sit right here and watch them do it and we don't say anything. And we just go ahead and let them do it and before long we're going to wake up and realize that we are in another nation that's different from ours. What is it? It's become a banana republic. Well, praise the Lord. Third world country, that's what we're heading for. Well, while our nation's heading for a third world country, I'm heading to a third pool country. Amen. They can have this place. They can do whatever they want to with it. But the Lord spoke this to me this week, and I don't mind telling you, I was just kind of shocked when I heard the voice of God say these words the bride's bill of rights. It just kind of set me back a little bit, Harry. And I had to sit. I was praying, thinking, meditating on the word. And as I began to think about it, and I started repeating what I heard the Spirit of God say. And then all this started coming together. And I thought, wow, that's absolutely wonderful. But unlike our government, our Heavenly Father does not give us a list of our rights and then in time turns around and takes them all back away from us and somehow convinces that he's doing it for our good. You see, our founding fathers recognized that with a democracy, it was not perfect. So there was faults and flaws in the system. And we can see it, surely, our nation being around for all these years now. And we can see that there's definitely flaws in democracy. The prophet tells us it's all, it's all sales and no wind to be able to drive it. But yet we also know there's great liberties. But we are so trusting. Now, believe me, being in China and preaching in China, being there when Brother Biscoe was around, 
arrested and them, them also looking for me. But they thought I was a Canadian. So Brother Biscoll had my itinerary in his briefcase and we was going in separate cities, different directions. And when they arrested him, he took my itinerary, tore it into pieces and ate it a piece at a time to keep them from finding me. So he was a Canadian. They assumed I was a Canadian. So they started searching all the passport entries for Donald Lee Reagan Jr., a Canadian. But they found out I wasn't a Canadian. So they come back and ask him again, is this man a Canadian? So he had to tell them the truth. No, he's not a Canadian. He's an American citizen. Well, then they started looking for me as an American. Now, be being there in China and watching the Chinese people, how they would assemble, and they were so leery of everyone. They were so leery of everybody. And as I watched it, I realized that democracy tends to rock us to sleep. And we're so trusting. We trust our government. We trust lawyers. We trust preachers. That's one of the worst bunch you can trust, I'm telling you right now. We just trust people. We're just so trusting and we are so gullible and so foolish at times because we trust everybody. But watching the Chinese and how they would do. For instance, in one city, whenever I was there, whenever you would step off of the elevator, a big hotel where we were at and I'd rented a room, a suite thing there that had two or three different rooms so we could have services. So whenever you step off of the elevator, there's a chair and a man sitting this close to you. So when you step off the elevator, it's an armed guard and he's stepping right there to look at you and he's seeing which direction you go. You go left or to the right and he makes a note of which room you go into. He notices everybody that comes into your room. He has a time of everybody coming in, everybody going out. Now I guarantee you one thing, if we started noticing that by our government, it would make us a little bit more suspicious, would it not? So the believers would have to start coming about an hour before service and they'd meander around and go down here and turn around and come back and go down there. But you know what? It didn't hinder the move of the Holy Ghost at all because this one lady come in and they had to push her in at a wheelchair and as I begin to speak the word and begin to preach under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and pray for that woman I saw an absolute miracle from God because I saw that woman stand up which was crippled and could not walk in and whenever that woman left she pushed her wheelchair out that's the kind of God I'm talking about now, you said, Brother Donnie, you mean you believe that power is still here? I know it's still here. Now, why do I believe that? Because I read it to you today from your book of rights, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. Have we seen it done? So that is our bill of rights. But as always, Satan is always trying to take away from us what belongs to us. Now, of course, we know that he, he controls the power of the government of every nation. And that's why that our nation itself, it was a good idea, good principle, and it lasted for a long time. But it will not endure. 
we know by prophecy in Revelation 13, this is the chapter that the United States is found in. And it was a beast that raised up that John saw not come up out of the water like the beast of Revelation 17 or the other beast that he saw, but this beast raised it up from among people, which was, and it had two tiny horns. It was civil and ecclesiastical power. So this beast raised up out from among people, a nation in other words, and then this beast, it was given the authority to speak as the beast before it, which of course is going to become the Antichrist and the mark of the beast. So the civil and ecclesiastical power representing the horns, and what was that animal that John saw? Now remember, John lived in the country near the Mediterranean, so John had never seen an American buffalo or a bison. But the prophet tells us that what that beast was, was actually a buffalo. So it was a bison, but John didn't know what to call it. So he just looks at it and says, there was a peculiar looking beast. And you can imagine him seeing a buffalo. He'd never seen one in his life. And it had short horns and represented civil and ecclesiastical power. So that would come to a great power. It for years would be the greatest nation on the earth. And she has been, is she not? But little by little, she's losing her power over the nations. Little by little, the U.S. dollar, China right now, is uniting with Russia and uniting with Iran. And they're trying to make another power. One of the first things they want to do is to be able to bring the U.S. US dollar to its knees and they're trying their best right now with the Chinese currency with the ruble from Russia with the Iranian currency to bring together it's going on every day open your eyes children where we are and what will it do it will bring our nation to its knees you say why would God do that because God gave this nation its liberty God gave this nation this place to worship and they started out praying and seeking God and now many of them will let you know they don't even want God in their courthouse no more they don't want God in their schools and the truth of it is a lot of the churches don't want God in their churches no more I hope and pray we never get to that place Oh my, if you folks get to the place you don't want God here, I ain't welcome neither. Anywhere Jesus ain't welcome, don't look for me because I won't hang around long. I want you to notice of what God wanted to designate to his people and gives them a bill, if I can call it that, a bill of rights. Now, in that bill, it would give them the authority to certain things. What does a right do? Now, we know we're living, of course, in an age when people's rights is such a big thing. And they've got a right to do this and a right to do that and a right to do something else. And they don't just want you and I to acknowledge their rights. We want, they want us to bow to their rights. You think the transgender thing and all that is just so that they can be able to get equal rights. Oh, no. They don't want no equal rights. They want rights above your own. They want you to bow to them and acknowledge them as being normal. Well, I'm sorry. Take my eyes out. Cut my ears off. Cut my tongue out. That is not normal. I don't care what you say. <laughs> Well, glory. I want you to notice now that God, in order to give this bill of rights, he himself 
must come. Now, he knew that it would take many thousands of years for it to come to the spot that it would be that his people would be able to acknowledge it and have the power within them to live out the rights once they find out about it. Now, you know how it is in our judicial system. If you're a rich person and you're a rich kid, then your daddy can pretty much get you out of anything you get involved in. Uh, Now, don't sit there and look at me funny. It's the truth. If you've got money, money talks. And you can be able to get a rich lawyer and know how to pull this string and do this and that and the other. And you take a lot of the poor kids, if they get out and do whatever they do that's wrong, they ain't got a fighting chance. Well, come on now. They are a minority. That's right. And because of that, then they don't always know their rights. Well, let me run a parallel to you in the same way. That if Satan can keep us from knowing our rights, he will rob from us the very things the Lord Jesus paid for and gave to us. Is that right? Now, because it comes by the power of God. Now, God gives it in a divided form. By that, I mean God gives it to us in the written word. So, the written word would be the written bill of rights. But the written bill of rights does not give you the power within yourself to be able to stand and claim what is yours. Now, you can read it and memorize it in your mind and in your spirit, but it takes more than just your mind and your spirit to be able to inherit your entire book. So just imagine when you get saved that God gives you your own personal book of rights. And God makes a deposit by calling on you and and of course drawing that seed of life which is inside of you into a spark to where it can be sparked to life. That one that itself starts your journey. And God then starts letting you set under ministry. Ministry that will tell you who you are, what you were, what you come from, where you're going. And what will they do? They want to bring you to an understanding. Really in one sense of the word, uh, God called preachers are like lawyers. They are men that want to define to you your rights. So you've got a right to go here. You've got a right to do this. And you don't have a right to do that. And you don't have a right to do that. You understand? So God knew that it would take this on the earth to be able to help the people of God to find out who they were. So God started giving man then a little bit of his rights in the Garden of Eden. And he gave to Adam and Eve the opening. We see the first glimpse into the book of rights or the the bill of rights whenever man was placed in the Garden of Eden. And there that man was placed on a probationary period to see what would he do. What would he do with what God gave him? How would he treat this book? How would he be able to value it in his own eyes in comparison to other things? And as we know, Adam didn't do very well with it. So Adam chose his wife over the book of rights and the bill of rights. So then what he did, he forfeited eternal life. So God then in turn has to come back and God makes the man and the woman leave the Garden of Eden, but God gives them a promise, I will restore you. I will bring you back. Back to what? Just a beautiful place? Just a place where there's nice, big, beautiful trees and all the animals are tamed there? Is that all God wants us to have? No, there's more than that. God wants to bring us back to a spot to where the earth will never again ever hear the rumble of thunder. 
that the earth will never be able to bury one child. There'll never be one person there that will ever die. Oh, what a land. There'll never be one there that will ever cry or sadness or sorrow will ever strike their heart. But it all must be brought back under the law of reconciliation. So God must reconcile this human race back to himself. So how does he do it? Well, of course, God has a judicial court and God has an appellate court and God has lawyers and God has representatives. And then God also has an enemy which is, of course, the attorney for the other side. And that attorney from the other side knows his rights. As a matter of fact, he knows not only his, but he knows yours. I'd say he probably knows ours a lot better than a lot of us know ours. So he knows exactly how far he can go, but he also knows that it's not just the law itself that will keep him from taking things from you, but it will be your inability to withstand him. And if you thinking, well, I ain't worthy, and I ain't good enough, I, I can never be good enough. Well, see right there, you yourself are denying your Bill of Rights. This Bill of Rights is not given to us based on our worthiness. It's given to us because he wanted us to have it. Well, if he wants me to have it, I reckon I should have it. Anybody else feel the same way? My goodness, I could wait the rest of my life and never be worthy. I could wait the rest of my life and so could you. and never be of a, a, a character that, well, okay, now I'm ready. Now I'm good enough. Now, you know what? Knowing me, if I did all that, I'd get it and the next day I'd die. So I've wasted all my life waiting to get good enough then I get good enough and I get the book and I'm so old I can't even read it no more. What good does that do? Why not get it now and let the Holy Ghost inside of you help you to live better and do better and walk closer to God as you're growing while you're feeding on your Bill of Rights. Now since Adam forfeited life, Father must bring life back into the picture. So no matter how many good things that we would have, we could be the richest person on the earth. We could own houses and lands and great possessions and, and be the CEO of all types of different things. But really, when it comes down to it, what good is any of that if you don't have life? You ever seen a CEO with all of his stocks and bonds in his, in his casket there? Well, if you did, they wouldn't lay there long. Everybody coming in would grab a hold of one and say, God bless his heart, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> well, glory to God, the Lord bless me. I went to that funeral, hallelujah, I found me a couple of stocks, you see. So what good does all that do if you don't have life? So God wanted to restore man to life. Of course, God sent the prophets. They could never be able to bring life. God sent the judicial system of the Old Testament, which was the Levitical law. That could never bring life. God gave the Ten Commandments, could never bring life. So God himself then, the person of life, must come to the earth in a form that could be a shareable form. Now listen to me, that God must get his life back into the lives of individuals. So how could he ever do that? since God is eternal life and God can never die. So God must come to the earth in a form which can be assimilated. 
Now, in other words, God would change himself from the, the great eternal that he was and come to the earth in a human form called sonship and God would get inside that human sonship body and make that body where it would be able to be broken open for others and they would come to him and receive that life. Now notice it like this. So here God comes to the earth and 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So here is Christ, the body, the vessel, the bottle, if you will. But I'm not interested in drinking the bottle. I don't need the bottle. I need what's in this bottle to be able to help me because I'm already sweating, sweating running down my back, running down my face, running down my legs. So I need something that will help replenish me as I start sweating. You agree with me? So is it okay with you all if I take a little bit of refreshment? Is it okay with you if I get a little bit of what I need and I take that into me? Now, this is separate from me. It's not me. As you know, this is purple and I'm not purple. This is potassium and this and that and the other. And I have some of those things in me, but they are getting depleted. They're coming out of me as I'm standing here under the anointing. So what I need is a little bit of help. So God was in Christ, reconciling the world. Now what I'm fixing to do is turn up the power of God. And I just swallowed God. Now God was in the bottle. But God cannot die. So God had to open the bottle when the lid was broke or the seal was broke. And then on the cross when he gave his life to be a perpetuation for us. And then he says amen. He made a way then that we could drink him in. Praise the Lord. And then he would start rushing through us as all of this is doing to me right now. And it won't be long to where this will no longer be Gatorade, but it will actually go into me and become me and I will become it. So then I started the power of assimilation when I started to drink this. So by drinking this, I took it into my body. Now, if there would have been dirt inside of there, if there would have been nails, or there would have been all kinds of other things, you see, I I could not get any benefit out of that. This is why, friends, that we must not come to just doctrines. We must not just come to a knowledge of the word. We must come to a spot of something that's compatible with us which is what? Life. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. 
then we start to assimilate by his great power the nature that was in the bottle. So what was in the bottle? Jesus Christ. It was mercy. It was forgiveness. It was love. It was all of those great things that was in. God made himself in a transmissible form. A form which could be received by a human being and it would start immediately changing their lives. Now, when you receive him, do you become perfect then? Absolutely not. You keep on assimilating as you feed upon his word. So God then must bring life back to man. Read with me if you would in Revelation chapter 22, verse 14. I want you to notice how John, here writing down the words that was given to him on the Isle of Patmos. Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have. Ah, so this is in your bill of rights then. Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right, excusia, look at the word, authority, right, jurisdiction, the ability or strength with which one is endued. One who possesses authority, the sign of regal authority. So there is a right to the tree of life. Now wait a minute, isn't that what was in the Garden of Eden? And God said, lest a man should put forth his hand and take of the tree of life. And God set flaming cherubims at the entrance to the gate of the Garden of Eden and said, man cannot come back in here until I have made myself into a form by which man can assimilate me into him. And I will come into the man and as he drinks me and partakes of me, I will change him from the inside out. Oh, praise the Lord. So notice, John is the only one in the New Testament as far as the writers that actually mentions this this way. That a person may have a right to the tree of life. Now this is my right. If I obey God's word, I'm called by him, I have a right to the tree of life. There is no devils, there is no church, there is nobody that's gonna keep me from my right to the tree of life. Now notice in paradise when we arrive there, the Bible tells us that those leaves on the trees will change every so often. So every month, every 30 day cycle period, they will change. And what was Adam supposed to do? Partaking from the trees in the Garden of Eden, this is one thing that warded off old age. He would never age. So as we are eating of the tree of life, our youth is constantly renewed. Amen. Amen. It's the same way with the word of God. That's why whether you're 15 or 75, you can have revival when everybody else is drying up and blowing away. Why? You're renewing your use in Christ Jesus. Amen. The glory never dies. Now, what's this again in St. John 1.1? Again, the same writer just phrases things a little different. He came into his own and his own received him not. 
But as many as received him, to them gave he power. Look at this word again, excusia. So he came to his own, his own received him not, but to as many as drunk him in. As many as received him, to them gave he power, not only to shout, not only to be healed, but to become the sons of God. So he gives us a jurisdiction once we receive his life to become sons of God. Well, let me just tell you right now, if you ever become one, you'll never become anything else. Woo! Oh, glory to God. Oh, Brother Donnie, don't tell me you believe in eternal security. I sure do. I believe if you ever get into Jesus Christ and sealed there by the Holy Ghost, you'll never get out, friend. (laughs) Now, notice John, he said, but as many as received him, to them gave he excusia. Again, authority, right, jurisdiction, to become, oh, what a word, what a word. To become, look at the meaning of it, come to pass. Do you understand? Every son and daughter of God is a word from God. Laying in the annals of history, and it takes the Spirit of God to quicken them and bring them to pass. Don't you understand why we are students of prophecy and we believe prophecy, do we not? So a word may lay in the Bible for thousands of years. That don't change nothing to us. That does not mean it's not real. It does not mean it's not genuine. But what we know is that word has just not yet come to pass. So every son and daughter that comes to God and enters into that great channel of his thinking and of his love, God gives them the power to come to pass. What are they? A prophecy, if you will, and the prophecy was their name was written on the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. Before there's ever a devil, he spoke your name. Before there's ever any sickness, he spoke your name. And he spoke your name as a prophecy. And there's only one way for you to come to pass. The same God who spoke it has to quicken the word. For hundreds and hundreds of years, Isaiah 7, 14, laid in the scroll, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. You know the scripture very well. It lay there for years and years, 712 years. But one day the spirit of God fell on that word. And that virgin was walking down the street to a well and an angel of God met her. What was God fixing to do? Help Mary come to pass. Don't you understand this is our time, friends? This is our day. Be encouraged today. There's not enough powers of darkness to stop this bride from coming to pass. Oh, glory to God. Notice, so John says, but as many as received him. Notice he doesn't say his ideology, his his opinion. Don't receive doctrines, but you receive him. Who is him? the person of the word. So as many, I'm not talking about a Christ of a denominational view. I'm talking about him. 
not a third person, the person. Amen. As many as received him, to them gave he, gave he power, excusia, authority, right, jurisdiction to come to pass. Let me just tell you this morning, you're looking at a son of God that's coming to pass. I believe I'm looking at sons and daughters of God that's coming to pass. I've been coming to pass for a long time, as a matter of fact. I don't mind telling you, I'm pretty glad today that I've been serving the Lord Jesus since I was a 12-year-old boy. Lord willing, in a couple of months, Carol and I have been married 50 years and we'll turn 67. I don't mind telling you, I am so happy. I've been coming to pass since a 12-year-old boy and I still ain't stopped coming to pass. I'm still coming to pass. Well, anybody here with me today, you don't want to stop. You don't want to get to a spot where well, I'm in. I guess that's all we need. Oh, no. We want to keep on coming to pass word by word by word by word until we fulfill our position of what God wants us to be. Oh, thank God. Notice the meaning of this word again. It goes on to express it. Come to pass, be done, be fulfilled. Notice verse 13. This is really hard on some folks. Which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh. Now, if you're a free will Baptist here today, God bless you, whoever you are. But John John wasn't a free will Baptist. John believed God's will overrode free will. According to your Bible here, you did not become a child of God based on your will. Now, this is your Bible which were born, not of blood, nor of the will. Again, thalamia, the Greek word here. The will of the flesh, desire, desire. what one wishes or has determined shall be done, which is the way the majority of Christendom preaches the new birth. Absolutely contrary to the scripture. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. I'll tell you one thing. I wanted to serve God. I got out there and I wanted to live for him. I went up and I grabbed a hold of the horns of the altar. Oh, no. He grabbed a hold of your horns and throwed your cigarettes out and your alcohol out and that old filthy life that you was living. And he drug you up to the altar. Come on, somebody. Hey, man, it wasn't you. You love sucking on cigarettes. You love living the way you live. But the Lord Jesus got a hold to you and said, come on, son. It's your time to come to pass. It's your time to be fulfilled. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. And where's that great big thing you done? but of God. I'm so glad my salvation ain't based on my will. I'm so glad your salvation ain't based on yours because ain't no doubt in my mind a lot of you done made up your mind I ain't serving him no more. I'm quitting, I'm this, that, and other. But whenever you made up your mind to leave, he wouldn't let you go. 
whenever you made up your mind, I ain't going back to church no more. He said, oh, yes, you are. Get ready. You're going to the house of God. He said, oh, I ain't going to live for him. No, I said, oh, yes, you are. Oh, Jeremiah said, I made up my mind. I wasn't going to speak no more in the name of the Lord. But Jeremiah said it was like a fire burning inside of my bones. Salvation is bigger than you. Salvation is bigger than me. It's not my will. It's not your will. It's his will. So my bill of rights says I have the right to be born of God. Now, once I'm in, now it opens up the whole new door of what's mine once I get in. Read with me in Hebrews 13, 9. Be not carried away about with divers and strange doctrines. For it is good, a good thing, that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have occupied there. Now remember he's writing to the Jews and they're still struggling about meats and what's clean and unclean. Now watch Paul as he says, we have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. Now he's running the contrast between the Levitical order And the title of this book is Hebrews. So that's who it's written to, Jews. And they're trying to merge the Mosaic law into Christianity. You remember Paul dealing with that in the book of Galatians. And he said, them guys come through. And they was projecting this false doctrine in the churches that Paul established. These false teachers got in there and told them, you've got to be circumcised. And you can't do this and you can't do that. You've you, you got to have the law of Moses. Or you're not even saved. Paul said, what in the world's happened to you? And they even turned them people against Paul. Can you imagine the people sitting there in the Galatian church and some of these false teachers turned the very man that birthed them under the word of God and they let a false teacher turn them against him. Oh my goodness. Now your Paul is showing them, look, you all are trying to emphasize the Levitical order and the Mosaic law and the Torah And all of that, and he said, whenever we are baptized into the body, we have an altar that you have no right to eat at. Anybody know what that means? All right, I'm gonna tell you. You see, when the the Levites and the priests would receive the wave offering, the heave offering, God would say, Take this certain thing, take the shoulder, we'll say. The shoulder of a sheep and the shoulder, the ham of a ram. I want you to only offer so much of that to me. But then I want you to give the rest of that shoulder to the priest, the Levites. So they were considered that their, their sustenance, their natural sustenance, that they were eating and fellowshipping with God from the same sacrifice. (laughs) 
Why? They would get a portion of God's offering. Wow. Now here Paul is saying, you all want to push the law? You want to push the Levitical order? He said, well, let me just tell you right now that once we are baptized into the body of Christ, we are eating from another altar. Now, he didn't say there wasn't eating. He just said, we're eating from another altar, and the sacrifice on that altar is not a ram, a turtle dove, or a pigeon. It was God himself made flesh in a human body. Oh, Lord Jesus. Notice again, Paul uses the same word, excuse you. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. So if you're still trying to serve God by do's and don'ts and this and that and the other, oh yes, there's do's and don'ts in the economy of God, but we don't come to God by fulfilling do's and don'ts first. We get saved, then we do the do's and we stop doing the don'ts. A part of the sacrifice was given for them to eat and they partook of the sacrifice and it was their daily sustenance. Oh, you say, Brother Donnie, what in the world are you talking about? I'm saying we have a right every day to eat the unfailing body word of the Son of Man. You see, many folks stop with the Paschal sacrifice at the cross. They never go any farther. Oh, well, yeah, Jesus died for me. Jesus died. Oh, praise the Lord, he died for me. Oh, 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 he died for me. He died for me. That's right. But we are an order, not after Levitical order, but the order of Melchizedek. And what did the priesthood do? They did not stop and say, okay, well, we brought that one offering, we'll just stop. They brought it day by day by day by day. What does God want it to be with me and you? Well, he saved me. Well, that's good. But are you eating of what he is and who he is and the character of his word? Well, no. So you mean all the cross meant to you is that it just initially liberated you from your sin. But you see, to a real believer, the cross becomes an altar. And then we are baptized into the body by the Holy Ghost, and as we are setting there, we're feeding into our souls the revealing of the Son of Man, which is the message of the hour, Christ Jesus. This is why we will eat ourselves to a body change. You see, those who just acknowledge him being on, on the cross, that's as far as they ever go. But God in every age updated, <laughs> updated the church so they'd be able to catch the word for the day they lived in. That's why Luther calls a revival. Luther sat down at the table of the Christ, opened the book of Romans, and he come out there and said, the just shall live by faith. What did Luther have? He bit into a great big lamb chop. Oh my, the Catholic Church have been thinking this and that and the other. Boy, Luther sunk his teeth down to that revealed word of the air, come out there like a wild man, say, glory to God, I'm free. 
Glory to God, I'm free. I don't have to do penance no more. I don't have to pray to Mary no more. I don't have to pray to Joseph no more. And that lamb chop was still sticking out between his teeth and the devil said, good Lord, what in the world's that? That's all right. Good time. Yes, sir. Lucifer found his place at the altar. If you're sitting here today and you're a son or daughter of God or you're streaming this service and your name is on the book of life, not only is your name in the book of life, but your name is on the table. I perform weddings in different parts of the United States and assisted in some in different countries. And it's being the minister or a singer or someone that will pray over them. They want to give you a place of honor. So they said, now, you sit over here and you sit over here. Well, how am I going to know where I'm going to sit? Brother Donnie, your name will be near your seat. So you and Sister Carol will sit on so-and-so. We had your name placed there. So I know when I woke up and I look at that, Brother Donnie Reagan. Now, there might be other Brother Donnie Reagans in the world, but that other Brother Donnie Reagan didn't officiate in that wedding. So I was known by my works and my identity with this family. So I figure my name is Donnie Reagan. That paper says Donnie Reagan. So don't you try to get my seat because that ain't your name. So if you can identify yourself with the family of God, that you are a new creation changed by the power of God and you can find your name, you've got a right to sit down, brother. Sit down, sister, and feed on the unfailing word of the Son of Man. Anointed ones at the end time, The son of man is Christ. He's the one you're feeding on. You're not feeding on a man. Now that don't speak about everybody because that's what a lot of folks are feeding on. That's why they can only receive from one preacher. And if that one preacher ain't preaching, well, I didn't get nothing out of the service. I say shame on you. You go to church in the right attitude, I believe you'll get something no matter who's preaching. Notice the Son of Man is Christ. He's the one you're feeding on. You're not feeding on a man. A man, his words will fail. But you're feeding on the unfailing body word of the Son of Man. So it's your right. So you say, well, I try to read the Bible. I don't get nothing out of it. Huh? Don't you see what that devil's doing? You realize one of the best sleeping pills you'll ever get in your life is a Bible or a message book. You can sit there and look at outdoor living and you look, oh my Lord, it's 1.30 in the morning. Oh my goodness, I got so caught up on Facebook. Oh my goodness, I got, I got so caught up on this and that and the other. And you pick up your Bible and you're as wide awake as you are right now, or some of you anyway. And you sit there and read your Bible and in a few minutes. The devil's trying to pull you away from your table. Somebody asks you something, your brother's worked hard all day and you go in, my goodness, you open that door and that aroma of your favorite meal smacks you in the face. Now your little queen has provided them taters however you like them and she's cooked that corn however you like it and she's cooked a big fat hamburger, a big old ham roast, whatever it is, and you walk in there and say, oh, 
Oh, I can't wait, honey. I'm gonna go get me a shower. I'm gonna come in and sit down and boy, everything seems all rosy. And you walk in and sit down and she says, this ain't for you. You say, what do you mean this is my favorite meal? Because you didn't, you didn't kiss me when you come in. You didn't say, how's your day been? The only thing you got on your mind's that ham meat, boy. You ain't getting none of that old ham meat. What's she trying to do? She trying to rob you of your rights. You paid for that ham. <laughs> oh, my. People say, well, I would go to church, but there's hypocrites there. I agree with you, they are. You let that keep you from going to Pizza Hut? You let that stop you from going to Walmart? You let that stop you from going to Target or wherever more? No, you go right in there beside everything in the world, you get what you want and you walk out. That's the way it ought to be at the house of God. I'm not coming to look at the hypocrites. I'm not gonna let them hinder me. I'm gonna pull my feet under his table. I'm gonna feed on that unfailing body word. It's my right. We ain't gonna have time to get into this, but I'm gonna get into it a little bit. Another one of my rights and yours. Wake up, devil, here we come. (laughs) Is to be like the original church. from the church age book an unchanging God with unchanging ways. What he did at the first, he will have to keep on doing until it is done for the last time. There will never be a change. And the church said, apply that to the church ages, the kind of man that God chose for the first church age and how God manifested in that man's ministry would be the example for all other ages. What God did in the first church age is what he wants to do in all. What? All. Right. So this is our rights. Oh, people say, well, poor Brother Donnie, he's Pentecostal. Thank you for that compliment. Thank you for bragging on me. I am, absolutely. Oh, not 1906, but original Acts 2. I'll tell you what I want around here. I want to have the kind of church around here that if Peter was to walk in them middle doors right there, he'd come down the middle of screaming, hollering, shouting, glory to God. That's the same way the kind of church we had on the day of Pentecost. Paul would come right down through that door. Thomas would come right down through that door. And James and all the rest of the apostles say, glory to God, brothers, look at this. We didn't have this nice carpet and we sure didn't have these lights and all these fancy things on the wall. But boy, we had the same Holy Ghost. We had the same power setting the captive free, healing the sick, raising the Casting out devil. Why do we want it, Brother Jonathan? It's our right. What God did in the first church age is what He wants to do in all other ages. The thing of it is, do we want what He wants? 
Now we know exactly from the word which was recorded by the Holy Spirit how the first or the original church is founded and how God manifested himself in her. The word can't change or be changed because the word of God. Oh, notice this. And that church is that Pentecost is the standard. What the church was at Pentecost is the standard. That is the pattern. Now my wife is an expert seamstress. She's sewed since she was a little girl. How was it when your grandma taught you? Four, three. Three years old. Sat in her grandma's lap and her grandma would use that old sewing machine. Who has ever seen one of them? Oh, yeah. My goodness, some of you young people don't want me to talk about it, do you? Well, it's the old treadle top where you sit there and pump it with your feet. Right. And her grandma would hold her in her lap while she sewed and taught her how to sew. She's made absolutely beautiful things. And I, of course, cannot sew. But what I have done is helped her place the pattern on top of the material. So depending on what she's making. So when she started doing these curtains here, done many things that are really, really big and large as she did over here in the fellowship hall. That was too big for her to hold. So I was a good little helper. But she wouldn't want to see anything I ever sewed, that's for sure. But I know enough about patterns to know that the pattern comes in a little piece of paper, a box, or whatever it is, and then they make that pattern of several sizes, depending on if it's a dress or whatever more. So it may range from four to 12 or six to 12. So you have to pick out your size or the age you're living in. Glory! Which ours is size seven, of course. Amen. And then you lay that pattern upon the fabric. Now, Carol's been doing it long enough where a lot of times she can just hold her hand or she'll tell me to put my hand on top of it. She don't even pin it and she'll take the scissors and just cut right around it. Now, she might use the same pattern over and over again because she don't need to make a new pattern to make the same dress. So the Lord God didn't need to make a new pattern to make the same church that he had in Acts 2. say, my Lord, it's the same size. It will do the same thing. It acts the same way. Why? Hebrews 13, 8. So the Lord God laid out a pattern. And he gave the goods to the apostles and preachers said, now, sew it together for me. Of course, Satan looked at that pattern. It scared him to death. He thought he had got rid of that one and only Jesus. Now it looks like it's in multiplied form. (laughs) They live like him. They talk like him. They died like him. And they're raised from the dead like him. 
So Satan thought, I've got to do something. I've got to do something to change this. This is awful. This is awful. So what did he do? He started sending people in among them. He tried to defeat them from without and found out that didn't work. So he started setting people in among them and set them down. The prophet said that Nicolaitan spirit started crying out. We don't need no more of that shouting now. Tell you one thing, we don't need none of that hand clapping stuff. Some rich folks got saved. Uh huh. Maybe some of the nobles and the ups and ups and the outs and outs and whatever more, they got saved. And you imagine them coming in and sitting out. I like that preacher. Protect music. Lord have mercy. I like that preacher. Have you ever been to church in your life? Have you seen so many people jumping and running and screaming in your life? Well, maybe you need to change patterns and get in the original Acts 2 pattern. You'll find that's the way they done it. So in every age, he's done exactly the same thing. Try to pull the people away from the promised word of that age. Then they will alter what the product looks like. This little handkerchief right here, Carol and I used to work at a sewing factory years and years and years and years ago. Carol worked in the sewing department, I worked in the shipping department as far as I started preaching full time. I would watch them guys because the shipping department was right next door to the guys, the receiving department. So they would receive these rolls of fabric. They would come from all over the country. And they would take them rolls and run them back and forth and back and forth and they had tables as long as from here to the back of the church. And they'd have a man on either side of them rolls and they'd take this machine, probably gotten more automated now, but they'd run back and forth and layer that fabric. And sometimes them layers, they had a knife that had a knife blade that long. I'm not exaggerating. And then they would take, after they'd run, or after run, after run, according to the amount of dozen that they wanted to make. And then they would take this gigantic pattern and they would put it together and lay it over. Then there would be guys in there with these knives and they would go through cutting through this, this high. And they'd go through cutting all that out. And they had, they had done it for years and years. And they would send these goods to Aldens and to Spiegel's and to uh, you know, Sears and all them sort of things. So what's amazing was, here was the beginning of where it started. Then it went through a process and they'd take it down through the sewing people. And then they'd take it to the inspecting people. And then they'd take it to the other people. Then it would come back to me. And I was right next door. As a matter of fact, I used the same shipping door as they received the goods in. So the goods would come in off of a truck line and there might be hundreds and hundreds of rolls of this fabric. And it would come in this great big shipping door and they would start the process, run it all through here, all the way down through there, all the way back over through here and come right out to my department. And whenever I was finished with it, it went out the same door, it come in but it looked a lot different this time. Because now each piece had took on the identity of the pattern. You see, God don't want us just all rolled up in one big bundle as a church, but God wants to roll us out, all glory. He wants to cut us, he wants to shape us, he wants to mold us, and we'll come right back out that same door we come into, but we will have our identity as a finished product. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. 
the bride's bill of rights. You have a right today if you're sick to be healed. You have a right if you don't have the Holy Ghost to be filled before you leave this place today. If you're lost without God and he's dealing with your heart, you have the right to come to pass. But before you can come to pass, you gotta come to him. Come to him and he will help you come to pass. Praise be to God. To as many as received him, to them gave he the authority, the jurisdiction, the position to become sons of God. In other words, to come to pass. Because what you do, you come into the door of humanity, all roll goods, there they are, all of humanity lays out before the, before the great almighty God. But who places the pattern? God does. Now, depending on how them layers of fabric, because there's no way in the world you're going to be able to get a roll of fabric big enough to make all that one run. So they would overlap them layers of fabric, and sometimes they'd overlap them six inches, 12 inches, until they would build it. When the guys would lay the pattern out, they'd just go down through and lay it out. Then whenever they would cut that out, that piece of the pattern might overlap on a seam. So someone would have to go through and bundle them all up. And then they would start the first line of sewing, the sergers. And they would start surging it. But once they pull in there, of course, the more they sew, the more money they make. So they'd go very fast. And they might reach in there and pick out one. But it just so happened it was like this. It was not a continuation, but it was a lap over. So what would they do? Put it aside, discard it. The pattern fell on them. They experienced the touch of the soul, but there was not a continuation of the book of Acts. As a matter of fact, they despised all that emotion. They didn't like all that worshiping. Well, I'll tell you one thing, you sure don't want to go to heaven then. because they're gonna be shouting and praising God and worshiping God and blessing God for eternity. Oh, children, who places the pattern? God, by his election grace. So he lays it. Now what they would do, the designers of the pattern would lay that piece of paper so they could get the most out of the goods. But at the very best they could do, there would always be remnants. I would see tons of remnants of fabric picked up by the garbage people because there was nothing you could make out of them. They were so small, you could never make nothing out of them. Isn't it awful that a human being comes to this world and they live their life and when it's all said and done, what have they done? A wasted life, a scrap, threw in a scrap heap. Oh my, are we willing today to let the great designer lay his pattern on our life. Lord, mold me, shape me, cut me. Brother Tony, you mean I gotta get cut? You can never make a piece of goods. You can never make a dress or a jacket or a shirt or whatever until it's cut. Once it's cut, it starts taking on an image, a shape of the pattern. Let's bow our heads together.
Is there anyone here today that maybe you've not, you've not met the Lord in that way? You've gone to church for, a lot, for years of your life, maybe even a member. But as far as saying that you know Him and He lives in you and thinks out of you and all of that, but you'd like to know Him that way. Would you just raise your hand to Him today? God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, Father. Maybe there's others of you that you've accepted Him, you believe Him, you're walking in His way, in His Word. But you don't have that dunamis, that power to help you to overcome. And you struggle with so many things. And you not only struggle, but they win over you sometimes. We can't do this on our own, friends. It takes the power of Him. Any of you here today, you'd like to be remembered. You need the Holy Ghost in your life, the token. God bless you. Yes, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. He's also wanting a refilling of the Holy Ghost. While we're praying for him, those of you that have raised your hand, would you lay your hand on somebody standing there by you? Let us offer prayer, one for the other. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we believe what we've heard today. We believe this is the answer of the pattern. You're the one who made the church the way you wanted it. Man has messed it up. Man has changed it. Man has made systems and organization out of it. It's pitiful what it's become. But Lord God, there's still an original church in the earth. Father, you see the needs in our brother's body today physically. Lord, this pain that he's been dealing with. Lord, also he needs a refilling of the Holy Ghost. I join my faith with my brother and with these saints, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Touch him now, Father. You suffered stripes in your body so he could be healed. Now in obedience to my bill of rights, I lay my hands on my brother in the name of Jesus. May the Spirit of God touch him right now. May this pain leave him in the very cause of it, Father. I pray for a refilling of the Holy Ghost, Lord. Every fiber of his being filled with the presence of God. Grant it, I pray, Father. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We worship you, Lord. Can we just raise our hands in the presence of the great King now and make our petitions, our desires known to him, but don't just spend all this time now asking, asking, asking. Go ahead, tell him what you need. Sure, he wants you to. But when you made your list known, let's turn it around. Let's worship him and give him something back. He woke you up this morning. He gave you the breath that you breathed. Y'all have breathed thousands of times since you've been here in this building today. Your hearts beat thousands of times. Every one of them heartbeats is a gift from God. Hallelujah. 
You've got hands, most of you, where you can raise them up in the presence of God. Why don't you do it right now? Just raise them hands up before the Lord Jesus. That's one of your rights to worship Him. Now you realize in many countries around the world, they don't have the right to worship God, but they still worship Him anyway. They still praise Him anyway. It's against the law, but they do it. Why? They honor the rights above the law of the land. Oh, let's just worship Him a little bit. Let's just praise Him now. Let's water the seed that we've heard. We know that praise is water. So let's water the seed that we've received and heard today. May the Lord God make it so real to our hearts. Hallelujah. Oh, praise your name, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Close your eyes now. Harry's going to sing something for us and just... This is create an atmosphere here of worship where we can be able to receive from Him. If you're here today without the Holy Ghost, this might be your John 1, 2 moment to where you can come to pass, where you can begin. This is the first day of the fulfillment of the rest of your life, where you as a word laid dormant but God ignites you with his power. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I know what it's like to be in the presence of the Lord and not know what time it is Time stood still And bodies were healed And families restored Because we stayed In the presence of the Lord No one had to say a word Couldn't even make a sound But I'd give up treasure I found I never wanted to win so I say stay I don't want you to go
I know what it's like to be in the presence of the Lord. And I know what time it is, cause time stood still, and bodies were healed, and families presence of the Lord. Oh, no one had to say a word. Couldn't even make a sound. But I'd give I surrender. The more that we can give to him, the more you'll lighten our load, the more you'll take us and use us. How many wants to be an instrument the Lord Jesus can use? Or you may never preach, you may never prophesy, you may never have a vision, you may never speak in tongues or interpret, but that don't mean God doesn't have a call for each and every one of you here today. And the more we can surrender to him, the more he can fulfill that purpose in our life. Amen. Are you singing for us? Let's just worship him. We've got a couple that's going to be baptized today. While they're going to come and prepare for that, let's just worship the Lord. Shall we? Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord.
Oh, don't you appreciate your bill of rights, little brother? Are you willing to fight for them? Are you willing to stand up for what belongs to you as the people of God? Amen. More that I surrender the promise and our bill of rights. Men and brethren, what must we do to be saved? Repent. 
and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. As long as God is calling, the apostolic age is still on. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Dear Father, as I stand here today, my sister wanting to come and take on your name in baptism. Lord, she's been raised in the church, dedicated as a baby. But yet, Father, she knows she needs to make certain steps. And we're so happy to see her here today. I count it a great honor, Lord, to baptize her. I pray that you'd be with her, Lord, that she raise out of this watery grave as a changed person. Thank you for now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. My sister, based upon your faith and God's promised word, it's a great privilege that I have. First of all, put this over your mouth. <laughs> to baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. brother said his favorite service was Wednesday night, but we had such an unusual service on Wednesday night, he, he didn't know hardly how to give his heart to the Lord, I guess. So on Thursday, he began to talk to his mama and ask her how, how to go about it. I'm glad we got mamas that know how to lead their children to the Lord Jesus. Amen. Not saying his daddy couldn't, but I guess he was at work, so... We're so happy to see our children brought up in the way of the Lord, aren't we? Amen. Amen. This, this is not just the ride of an old man. It's the ride of a young boy sitting here today. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you today for our brother. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for his little life. Thank you for dealing with him, Lord. There's nothing in the world that we want to see that would bring our hearts any more joy than to see our children. Not just coming to church here. Not just acting like us and dressing like us. But, Father, they become changed by the power of God. I pray your blessing. Be with him, Father. Fill him ever fiber of his being with the Holy Ghost, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Little Asher, on your obedience of asking the Lord to forgive you and help you, I count it a great joy to baptize you today. I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We're so thankful this morning for the word we've heard. Amen. Our Bill of Rights this morning. Let's sing this old song as we're dismissed this morning. Feel free to stay and sing it. Amen. This morning as you go. Oh, there are people almost everywhere whose hearts are all aflame with the fire that fell at Pentecost, baptized in Jesus' name. And are telling now, both far and wide, his power is yet the same. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Oh, I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. 
I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Oh, I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. Though these people may not learn, be nor boast of worldly fame, they have all received their Pentecost, baptized in Jesus' name, and are telling now both far and wide, Spire is yet the same. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Oh, I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. They were gathered in the upper room, all praying in his name. They were baptized with the Holy Ghost, and power for service came. Now what he did for them that day, he'll do for you the same. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Oh, I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Oh, I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. Oh, come, my brothers, seek this blessing that will cleanse your heart from sin. That will start the joy bells ringing and will keep the soul aflame. It is burning now within my heart, all glory to his name. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Oh, I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Oh, I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. Sing it as you go this morning. One of them. Oh, I'm one of them. Oh, I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. One of them. I'm one of them. Oh, I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Oh, I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Oh, I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. Oh, they were gathered in the upper room, all praying in his name. They were baptized with the Holy Ghost, and power for service came. Now what he did for them that day, he'll do for you the same. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. 
I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Oh, I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Oh, I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Oh, I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. 